Yo, 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 what's good, what's good? It is your boy, S. Foster, back for another episode of 28 Minutes or Less. And this is episode 112 of the podcast. And the subject matter that I have today is a very, very special subject. This was something that was briefly spoken about on the Stolen Time podcast with my guy, Uncle Washington. But I felt like this needed more attention and needed to be singled out because this is a story that um, we hear, but not to this extent. And it is a story of potential. But the subject matter today is, it is a 30 for 30. It was a season two, episode four, which is Benji. And this is the story of Benjamin Wilson um, from Simeon High School. And what makes this story so special is because this is a story about a young man with determination and just wrong place, wrong time. But what takes this to the next level is that he was that year, beginning of that year, he was rated as the number one basketball, excuse me, the number one high school basketball player in the nation. All right, after going to this, uh, one of these camps that Sonny, Sonny Varero, I think that's how you say his name, the dude that is famous for signing Michael Jordan to uh, the contract that he did um, when he first got the Nike. And, uh, you know, creating the Jordan brand and all that shit. Like, he was the one who, like, Sonny was the guy. Like, they did a uh, 30 for 30 on him called Soul Man, where it was just speaking about, like, what he meant to uh, shoes and, like, star players getting shoe contracts and things like that. Like, he held a camp back then and he actually saw him live and said that yo they show all the players that showed up at that camp and Benji went in and completely showed himself as being the best player in the country and like speaking about Benji and and what he meant you have to speak about Chicago at that time and this is one of the reasons why I singled the story out because like the story is 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 very, very special. And when you speak about the city of Chicago, especially when we're talking about basketball, to I would say at these times it was New York City and it was Chicago. And then you gotta kind of throw in that DC, Maryland area, uh, area where a lot of players end up coming out of that space as well. But we're talking about Tim Hardaway. We're talking about uh, Isaiah Thomas, Maurice Cheeks, Doc Rivers, Nick Anderson. Like there was a lot of guys coming out of Chicago at this time, the South side of Chicago to be exact. and. So this was a staple of an area and with all of the outside surrounding things and what I mean by outside surrounding things, you got to talk about the Blackstone Rangers, the Gangster Disciples, the Vice Lords. And, you know, I did a podcast on the Blackstone Rangers, you know what I'm saying? That was uh, with the boy Jeff Fort, a podcast that I did early on. 
uh, in my little series that I do talking about drug dealers and things like that. Like, like his his crew was called the Blackstone Rangers. And so Chicago was very high on the, um, as far as being considered as the murder capital. Um, that wasn't number one, but it was pretty close to it. And being in Chica being in Chicago at that time, Benjamin Wilson was, you know, came from a, a really good family, had his mother, had his father, and if I'm not mistaken, he had four brothers. And with his mom and his dad being like, his mom was a nurse, she was an RN. Um, man, I forget what the dad was, but like they both worked third shift. And so Benji's older, oldest brother had to take care of him at nine years old. He was like, I, have, I would have to wake up, change his diaper, you know, make his bottle, all that type stuff and put him back to sleep. And he's like, I was nine. He was like, so I had to pretty much, you know, raise him, especially when it came to the nighttime because both his parents worked third shift and they were gone. So he had a lot to do with his brother's upbringing. And so when, when Ben ended up being around like the eighth grade is when he really started turning his focus towards basketball. And at the time, I think that people didn't really like, he haven't completely developed yet. Like he, they were saying that when he was a freshman in high school, you know, he played on um, the ninth and 10th grade team. He was like 5'10", really skinny kid. And um, you have to shout out to his coach, uh, Robert Hope, uh, Robert Hope Reed. And they called him Hope because of, you know, he was the guy that was getting a lot of these guys like prepared for that next level. So everybody called him Hope. And one of his teammates on that quote unquote, I mean, it wasn't like an AAU team, it's more like a rec league team, but it was like one, like the best rec league team in Chicago at the time. And the wildest thing about this is R. Kelly. Yes, people, R. Kelly was one of Ben, um, ben Wilson teammates back then. And so um, R. Kelly was actually on this dock, you know, this was before everything came out. Well, at least, well, I mean, some of the stuff came out, but we didn't counsel him yet. But um, so he spoke about, you know, Benji, and they were just like, yo, they, they spoke to the coach. And he was like, yo, like, he was the guy. He was like, he pushed me as a coach. Like, because at the time, you know, he was 5'10", so they was treating him like a guard. So he was doing all of the guard dribbling, you know what I'm saying, shooting jump shots, all that type stuff. And they was like, the thing about Benji, like, he was so dedicated, like, he was getting better and better and better. And not only just getting better and better, he's pushing his coaches to be harder on him and all this type stuff. But you still got the outside life of living in a place like Chicago at this time, you know what I'm saying, in the early 80s. And you gotta be tough, you gotta be hard. And like, they like to play basketball at you know, any park where it was popping. And that was even dangerous because there will be times where there could just be this violence just break out anywhere. But once his talent ended up getting better, that's when the dudes in the hood, which, you know, I've spoken about this on different platforms, is where the hood 
will see potential in certain people. And what they would do is they would protect that dude. And once they started really looking at him develop more as a player, him getting better, they started to protect him. And they was like, yo, like, the thing about Ben, they was like, Ben had an attitude, but Ben never fought. They said because we always fought his battles for him, so he never had to get in trouble. And so once he got up to the 10th grade, two of his teammates at that time was like, yo, we need, to, we need to put Benji on the varsity. And he was like, and like this coach, like um, he was considered as like one of the best high school coaches, like period. And like, and people was like, yo, uh, I think it was uh, Bob Hembry. And they was like, yo, why don't, they was like, he was getting offered multiple college jobs, but they was like, he would say that that's, that's not my destiny. Like my thing is the, the coach guys, with Coach Boyd and Man at this level, and he didn't want to leave Simeon High. So the story is they brought, like the guys was able to convince him to let him get a tryout. So he was like, yo, they put Benji in the corner. He said he hit about 10 shots off the backboard in a row. And then like they threw it back to him, like he missed one and then he just kept hitting and hitting and hitting, hitting. And at this time, this is what ended up happening between his freshman year and his sophomore year. He went from 5'10 to 6'5 and then ended up becoming 6'7. So we're talking about a dude who has skills as a point guard, had a jump shot like a shooting guard, but is the height of like a power forward. So he was really like one of those, I wouldn't say first, but in the early beginnings of that stretch guard. You know what I'm saying? They could, uh, they could stretch, out, stretch out the floor, and, but they actually had him listed as a center. So he ended up going into that year of his sophomore year, there was a list of like the best players on, like they did a list of like best players in Chicago in the paper, just Chicago. And it was, I think it was 50 names and Ben's name wasn't on it at all. So they said Ben ripped the paper up, crumbled it up and threw it down. He was like, man, yo, I'm gonna tell you something. He said, I'm gonna be number one on that list. He was like, watch what I tell you. So he went in determined to be the best player in the state of Illinois and in the city of Chicago. And on his way up, with becoming one of the faces of the basketball team, one of the faces of Chicago basketball, you know what comes along, the girls start coming along. You know, the guys start telling stories like, it's not just the girls that are high school age. He was like, man, there are girls that are 21, 22 years old pulling up to the high school trying to pick this dude up. He's going to house parties, you know what I'm saying? Dancing, life for the party, all that type stuff. So Benji is really becoming like one of those guys in the city. So what ended up happening was they ended up going, I'm trying to think which one was first. They went to I think they didn't win his sophomore year. 
but they won the state championship his junior year. And if I'm not mistaken, that sophomore year, the summer of his sophomore year going into his junior year was the year that he went to that camp. So he goes to the camp and, you know, for the people that are a little younger, like these are like the camps like Nike would do, um, Reebok, they ended up getting a camp, you know, Allen Iverson got a camp. But like what they would do back then, because, you know, there was no social media and all that type stuff then. So the way to determine like the best player in the country is that they would put like a collection of players that are like the best players in their state and in their cities and all that type stuff. And they'll put them all into one camp, have them all basically like play against each other. And Benji went out there, showed that he was the number one player, but not only that, you also got to look at something else that was going on with Chicago at the time. In 1984, which was Ben breakout year, that was the same year Michael Jordan was drafted. So during that year, like they used to have like this, this, this huge like little tournament in the state of Chicago and Michael Jordan actually played in it. You know what I'm saying? When he was drafted by Chicago. So he ended up playing in that and Ben ended up playing in that too. So Ben is the, the staple of basketball at this point. Then he was able to get his wish. Not only was he the number one player in Chicago in that little list that they did in the paper, this dude is the number one player in the country. And the one great thing about Ben, and I think that this speaks on the type of person that he was, was that when he won the state championship and they put the, the, the medal over his neck, he said he went straight to his brother. Uh, his brother was like, look, my mom was there. My dad was there. He said, Ben came up to me and put the medal around my neck and said that this is yours. Because Ben appreciated everything that his brother did for him. He knew that his brother was the one who, you know, had a lot to do with his upbringing. You know, when Ben would, would actually, like there was a time where Ben got in trouble in school because that he had just seen the, the new Zorro movie that came out at the time. And so when he was in, I think he was, I can't remember if he was in middle school or elementary school, and he went up with a marker and started writing Z on everybody's shirt. And um, <laughs> so he ended up getting suspended for that. And so his brother was like, yo, I had to take him down to the basement, you know what I'm saying, and, and set him right or whatever. So like his brother was like the disciplinarian. He was the one who really told him how to survive out here in these streets and all this stuff like that. Because you gotta understand, like we're, we're talking we're talking about Chicago here, all right? And also, to get back on another thing that he had did in school was because, so before I get there, there was a time where, I can't remember exactly which gang it was, I wanna say it was the Gangster Disciples. So apparently there was like a little argument that happened at a park one day when they was playing ball outside. And so they was like, yo, we gonna, we gonna come see you at your school. So Ben called his brother, was like, yo, like, 
There's some gangster disciples. They they mad at us because of what went down at the park earlier. They said they're gonna roll up on us at the school. So his brother got a whole bunch of people. They they pulled up at the school deep. You know what I'm saying? About about ten cars. And he was like, when they came strolling out from practice, he was like, all the dudes looked at how many dudes that pulled up to come pick them up. Nothing ended up happening. I bring it up because they knew that yo. Playing at the parks can be sketchy sometimes, but playing in the playing in the arena, you know what I'm saying? When we're playing our high school opponents, there's never no problems except they end up being a fight during the um, '83 season against Farragut, Farragut High School, where a guy got hard fouled, and then just this huge fight broke out, and they was like Ben was in the middle of it, and like when the fight was over, they said Ben. Like was laughing, they was like, "That's what type of dude he was." They was like, "He was not no punk," even though, you know what I'm saying. Ben would would be considered as you know what I'm saying as a pretty guy. You know what I'm saying, light skin, great smile. That's how everybody described him because they was like he had the handles of how uh, they described him. They said he had the handles of Isaiah Thomas. They said he had a smile of Magic Johnson, and I forget who they compared his game to. But it was like, this dude was a combination of a lot of guys. And he was a really, really good player. And like I said, you know, had a little bit of an attitude. But at the same time, he still was, you know what I'm saying, a, a guy that they described to be very, you know, he joked a lot. He liked to have fun, all the stuff like that. And then, like I said, he was becoming a ladies' man. Now, that could be an issue because... We all know sometimes in certain situations, it could be a bad idea to basically really get into a serious relationship, especially at the age of 17, 16, 17 years old. So even though Ben was really kind of doing his thing, he was in love with this girl, um, Tatan Rush. And he expressed to his parents how, you know, how he felt about her or whatever. And they was like, look, man, you young. You got the potential to make it to the league. Like, you really ain't got time to really be getting into a serious relationship with a girl right now. And, but he loved her, you know. And what ended up happening, they figured, they figured out how serious he was because he didn't say nothing until it happened. Um, they found out on the day that his son was born, they found out that day. Like they didn't know that she was pregnant. So, I mean, you can, you know, we, when you're talking about, you know, 80, 83, 84, it's no, it's, it's no social media, there's no cell phones, you can't take pictures of shit, you know what I mean? You can kind of keep that type stuff under the wraps. And so what ended up happening with her was I don't know what necessarily was going on, but they had got into an altercation at school because he wanted to see her son, well, his son, and she brushed him off. And the way the story goes is when she was walking off, he grabbed her arm because he wasn't done talking to her. And another teacher saw this situation goes up and be like, Ben, you know, don't grab her like that. If she want to walk off, let her walk off. And when the when the teacher grabbed his shoulder, 
he like kind of hit the teacher and kind of like pushed them down. And then they was like, the teacher said, yo, as soon as he realized that he started apologizing, like, yo, I'm sorry, I'm just a little wound up. It was a mistake. And he got suspended for five days for that. And so that situation wasn't really completed at that time. So when Ben got back to school, Ben saw her, wanted to have a conversation with her, so they ended up walking to, there's a, there's a little corner store like on the same block as the school. So Ben and, and the girl, they're walking to the store, but they're kind of arguing on their way to the store. And there are two guys that are sitting outside the store and what I'm gonna do right here is I'm gonna give, because it, let's put it this way. There's usually always three sides of a story. One side, the other side, and the truth, right? You, you never know, there's, there's a gray area with all of this shit. So the story, the main, let's just call it the main story of what ended up becoming, what ended up being the charges. So the first story is, they're walking to the store, they're arguing. There's two guys standing outside the store, see them, try to rob them. Ben's not having it, so, little tussling or whatever, whatnot. Billy Moore pulls out a gun, shoot him two times. Him and Omar Dixon run away. Billy Moore's story, which is something that I'm, I'm very happy that my son was sitting beside of me when this was going, when this part was going on and we was able to I paused it and we had a father-son moment. But Billy Moore, the one who shot him, his side of the story was, he was standing there, well, he said the reason that they was at Simeon High School was because his cousin went to the school. And she said that someone stole $10 from her because he went to, and him and Omar went to another school. So they, by the time that they got to the school, the $10 thing was already resolved. And they was like, yo, we already skipped the school, so we just gonna hang out. So he's hanging out in front of the store. Both of them hang out in front of the store. And his story is Ben comes up and like bumps him. And Billy's like, yo, you're not gonna say excuse me? Oh, and, and let me say this. The reason they had Billy's story is because Billy actually spoke on this documentary. Um, so I get into all of that stuff a little later. So he's like, yeah, Yo, you ain't gonna say excuse me? And he was like, nah, I ain't gonna say excuse me. He was like, you know, you're not excused, whatever, whatever. And so a little altercation started and he said that that Ben said, nah, fuck you, motherfucker, nah, 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 all that type shit, and, 
And so he said he unzipped his jacket and showed him the gun. And he was like, you ain't gonna do shit, blase, blase. And so he put, and he says that what was ringing off in his head, cause he said that Ben tried to punk him. And he said what was ringing off in his head when he showed him the gun, he said his grandpa told him when he was 10 years old, if you ever show somebody your gun, you better use it. So he pulls out the gun and shoots him twice. So my son looks at me and he says, he says, dad, what? He was like, so if he shot him, he said, why did the, the other guy go to jail? I said, son, that is a great question. I said, because what you have to understand about life is like the decisions that you make. Every, most, let's just say most decisions that you make can determine a lot of shit. And you have to be careful who you hang with, who you chill with, who you decide to let, you know, in your car when you get your license or anything like that. I said, because if this story is, I said, listen, if it's Billy's story is what really happened, that Omar Dixon was just with the wrong person at the wrong place and at the wrong time. And I said, if he would to have told the authorities, if he would have stayed behind and told the authorities this is what happened, then he wouldn't be in any trouble. I said, but because he took off running with him and left the scene, both of y'all, because Ben, I'm gonna get into that, what ended up happening to Ben, but if he dies, both of y'all are getting charged with murder. And I said, just being with the wrong person can get you time if you don't act accordingly at those times. I said, so that's why you have to be careful who you're with. I said, because if you're with someone and you just hanging and they decide to rob a place, while y'all are together, both of y'all are getting charged with robbery charges. So I was like, that's why you have to be careful. And I said, this is why I tell you, be careful who you hang with. Be careful who you go places with because you don't want to be tied up in a situation when you didn't do anything wrong. So what ended up happening to Ben is take which story you want to take. So he gets shot twice, basically in the adamant type of area 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 if i could speak so what ended up happening is they're waiting on the ambulance ambulance end up taking a little longer than people expected so then a teacher rolls around with his car as soon as the teacher rolled around with the car the ambulance show so they take and the the rules of chicago at this time was you always took a person to the nearest hospital and the nearest hospital was saint bernard hospital but the only problem with St. Bernard Hospital is they didn't have a trauma center and they didn't have any surgeons at the hospital. So Ben Wilson had to sit in the hospital where he is bleeding internally. Like, cause they was like, the one weird thing was they could see the two holes, but there was no blood because all the blood 
he had internal wounds. So there wasn't any blood anywhere. And before the, before the, the, the surgeons got there, like I said earlier, his mom, Mary Wilson, was an RN nurse and she felt his feet and she knew he's not getting any oxygen to his brain and his feet is cold. She knew then he's not gonna make it. So they end up finally coming after two hours. They do the surgery and it, he still wasn't in a stable position, uh, condition and they ended up having to put him on life support. And the mother gave it like maybe a couple of hours and she told him to pull the plug because she said that he's gonna, even if he makes it, he's, his brain is gonna be a vegetable. So Ben Wilson passed away. And to get back to what I was saying, and this is what I told him also, that there's a lot of people that are behind bars right now. For that, what I said earlier, being around the wrong people, wrong place, wrong time, but at the same time, men ego to prove something. And if Billy Moore thought that it, now, in a lot of people's eyes, they agree with what he said when it comes to his story because of ego, because of not wanting to look like a quote unquote punk. To say that this man bumped into you and called you names, you think that it's okay to pull out a gun and shoot him two times because he didn't say, excuse me? Really? And like I told him, I said, look, there's a lot of people who are locked up because of their pride, because they didn't want to look like a punk. And to me, that's one of the most idiotic things that I've ever heard. I've never, I am 38 years old and I've never been in a situation where I got in trouble because I was trying to prove that I wasn't a punk. I'm pretty sure you, if you really went around and start asking people like, yo, like, you know what I'm saying? If I ever got punked somewhere? Yeah, I remember he got punked here. I think I care. I told him I went to, you know, parties when I was young. Hey, son, hit this. Now nah, I'm good. Man, yo, punk. I, man, yo, bitch. I be that. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't hit that joint. I didn't hit that blunt. I didn't take that shot. I'm not gonna do something because someone tried to peer pressure me into doing it. Because in my eyes, when somebody peer pressure you into doing something that you don't wanna do, well, you the punk because you couldn't take words. You couldn't take someone calling you a name. And so, that goes with anything. Oh, you stepped on my shoes. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a, an assault charge because you stepped on my shoes. 
it's like, but I'm pretty sure there were some people who watched this documentary and said, yo, I feel Billy right there. You ain't gonna, you ain't gonna bump me in the streets and not say nothing. It's just like for me, man, I just think that this man ended up he was 16 years old when this happened. Omar Dixon was 15 years old. When they were found guilty for the murder of Benjamin Wilson, Omar Dixon ended up getting 30 years. Billy Moore ended up getting 40. Now, Omar Dixon served half of this, half of his sentence. And check this out. And in 2007, he was arrested for armed robbery and now is serving 40 years in the penitentiary now. Billy Moore served 19 of those 40 years, got out, and now he is working at where he started this basically like this foundation where he would help criminals find work when they got out of jail and you know all that type of stuff like that to the point where he actually got honored by the White House in I think 2007 if I'm not mistaken for his efforts of helping criminals when they got out of jail they used his story and say that look he turned his life around and now he's helping guys who are convicted felons look that's all nice and all is great to hear somewhat of a success story of someone serving time and getting out and actually giving back to their community. But when it comes to, you know, the Ben Wilson story, and you also got to understand when, when Ben passed away, he was the 669th murder victim in Chicago at this time. 669 person that was murdered in 1984 in Chicago. And another thing that made Chicago so interesting at this time was, you know, Jesse Jackson was there and it got to the point when, because the funeral was, was very big and the way that the mother handled it reminded me of Emmett Till's mother where she went on Front Street with everything and the foundations that she started and, you know, getting people to sign petitions to try to make tougher gun laws in the state of, uh, in the state of Illinois. Um, but also at this time, the, the media was so crazy during this time that she had to end up staying at Je Reverend Jesse Jackson's house because they was posted outside of her house all the time. And so she was able to stay there. And the potential, like, when you look at, like, the, the, the thing about the hood, I'm still a line from one of my top 10 rappers, one of my favorite rappers, Raekwon, where he would say the line of eight million stories, right? There are so many stories of guys that either made it or just 
Well, they're both hood legends, but you hear them from people who made it and you hear from people who didn't. Um, I remember Deion Sanders told a story where they was like, yo, who was the best person that you played against or played with or whatever? And he was like, yo, my cousin that I played with in high school. He was like, he was the fastest dude ever. And, you know, he ended up falling to drugs and, you know, didn't make it. Like, there's a lot of stories of either injuries, drugs, someone murdered, whatever the case may be. But there's always gonna be two people who really stand out. And that's Ben Wilson and that's Lynn Bias. Now, the difference with Lynn Bias is we actually got to see Lynn Bias not only play on the college level and dominate, but also get drafted with the first pick in a draft to go to the Boston Celtics. So that's what makes it a little bit more different, but and I like what they did to honor Ben Wilson at Simeon High School to where the best player on the team will wear the number 25 to keep that story alive. You know what I'm saying? Like this isn't a situation. I remember when Michael Irvin was asked why you don't want your number retired. And he said, because he said when he was like, I'm not dead. And he was like, when your number is retired, like your legacy stops. And like, it's just, it's just a banner. And he's like, I don't want to be honored that way. And so what he did was he was just like, you know, out of respect. He was like, I want the best receiver on the Dallas Cowboys to wear the number 88. If you remember, Des Bryant wore 88. Now C.D. Lamb wears 88. And he's like, yo, when they balled out, he was like, yo, people may say, yo, he wearing that number to honor the guy Michael Irvin, he was like, that keeps your name alive is when God is able to honor you instead of your number being retired and it just sit in the Raptors and nobody really pays it any attention, especially during the game. If you're not there, you're not even seeing it. You know what I'm saying? You gotta be in the arena or the stadium to actually see it. And Derrick Rose, so they won that championship in 84. Derrick Rose, um, brought the first championship to Simeon High School since that one. And then um, the next player at Simeon High School to be that guy, he didn't wear the number 25 though, was Jabari Parker, who ended up winning three straight um, state championships and was the first number one player in the country from Simeon High School since Ben, um, ben Wilson. So I just think that this story is a story that needs to live on. I think that we have to really take, like it, it, it sucks because what Billy Moore did was he changed a lot for a lot of people because being was a guy who would tell all the guys in the hood, you know what I'm saying, the dude at the barbershop, like, yo, I'm gonna take y'all places. You know what I'm saying? Like, when, when I get my money, like, he told, he told, uh, 
Robert Hope Reed is like, yo, I'm gonna buy you a house as soon as I get drafted. You know what I'm saying? Like he was he was that guy that was gonna that was gonna take care of the hood. He was gonna take care of the people that took care of him. Like I said, you know what I'm saying? He he had four siblings. And what ended up happening was, like I said, Mary Wilson, she became like a staple in the in the in the community. Um, to try to make things right, but she also sued the hospital, uh, St. Bernard Hospital. And she actually changed the legislation with now when people get shot in the state of Chicago, they don't take it to the nearest hospital. They take people who were shot to the nearest hospital that has a trauma center. And where they got the number 10 million from, it was either where they got the number from or what they ended up selling, because they settled out for an undisclosed number. But the person that they went to was, who I brought up at the beginning of this podcast, was Sonny. And they said they went to him because everybody saw what he did for Michael Jordan. So they was like, yo, can you kind of predict what the family would have gotten if Ben would have made it to the league? and?" endorsement deals and all that type stuff like that. So I can't remember if that's where they got the 10 million number from or the undisclosed amount that the family ended up getting. And because like I said, the hospital ended up settling out for undisclosed amount that's nobody knows but the family. And also when you think of a guy like Nick Anderson, who uh, a lot of people know him for playing with the um, playing with the Orlando Magic, um, they were best friends, but they never got to play on the same team together. Like he asked him to come to Simeon and he transferred to Simeon, but they didn't get to play that season. It, it would have been Ben's senior year, but he was shot and killed. And uh, Nick Anderson was like, yo, I wore the number 25 all through college and I wore the number 25 all through my NBA career simply because of Ben Wilson. So I think that um, this is a very important story. And also just gun violence, which is still an issue today, not only just in Chicago, but just everywhere. But just a life like that being cut short. And I know this is an athlete and all this little stuff like that. But it's just the potential that this guy had. Um, and it's wild to think that with this happening, with actual legislation being changed because of him, he still made an effect. Um, with his life being cut short at the age of 17. Now, obviously, I'm not doing the story is justice. Um, you know, the 30 for 30, it was it was done phenomenally, man. It was, it was it was really really good. But I just don't know how much of my audience actually know the story or seen it. Like I said last week when I did the movie Hollywood Land, like I want to be able to make you aware of things and be like, yo, you know what? Let me let me go back and go watch this this uh this 30 for 30. Like I said, this was season two, episode four. But um 
it was it was it was really 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 good man so i would suggest for you to for y'all to go out and watch it or if you watched it and just haven't seen it in a while and you wanted to go back and revisit it i think that um benji uh is a story that um that that we could share with our kids like i like it ended up being a great teacher moment and i told my son i said it like three or four times i was like yeah i am so glad you asked me that question because it's a teacher moment. And that's what you have in life when you are a parent. You have a lot of teacher moments. And you have to be there for your child. You gotta be able to pause what you're doing, stop what you're doing, and, and have that, that conversation with them. And make sure they understand it. Because I asked them, like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, and give different examples. And, and give them other examples other than what they just saw on the TV screen, but also bring up different scenarios of like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, yo, even if it's a girl, you know what I'm saying? If you see it, it could be a toxic situation, pull yourself out of that situation, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think this is very, very important um, for the culture, man. And it just sucks that what ended up happening to R. Kelly now you go back and you watch it and you be like, oh shit, I forgot R. Kelly was in this. Just And just to see him, you know, just to know that he was one of Benji's teammates. And then he said that he actually sung at the funeral because what ended up happening was the funeral was turned into a circus. Um, there was one guy who was like, look, I was very close to Ben and I didn't show up to the funeral because it was the funeral was put on the pedestal when it was a circus. All it was like four or five preachers there, including Jesse Jackson. He was like, man, they turned it into something else that it wasn't. So there was the viewing that, that they did in the gymnasium at the high school, and then they had the service at the church. The service at the church was so long that the the place that he was being buried, the cemetery closed at 4.30 and they couldn't close the cemetery because there were so many people there waiting for the body to show up. So they had to keep the cemetery open and they actually buried him at nighttime. And people was like, the, what happened was something that was unexpected and kind of took a turn for the worse was Mary Wilson said, let me see my son one last time, the very last time. So they opened up the casket and then everybody broke out in tears all over again. And R. Kelly says that he started singing the song, It's So Hard to Say Goodbye to Yesterday. He started singing that song and he actually sang it in the dock as well. So sad, sad story, man. But um, shout out to Simeon High School, shout out to uh, uh, Coogie and Chinks. You know, they was the directors of this. You know, everybody that was involved, you know what I'm saying? This is um, it's a very, very important story, man. Very important story, so uh, go check this out. So, that's all I got today. Um, you know, shout out to my guy, Casey, for everything that he do for this podcast, everybody. Because, like, I'm pretty sure Casey never heard of this guy, and I'm pretty sure that this is going to be, you know, new material for him. So, um very interested to hear what you think about this. So uh, shout out for him for doing the intro and all the music. Uh, shout out to my guy, Scoots Bronson. Uh, shout out to E. Carter, C, JD, all of those guys. 
Um, I appreciate everybody for listening. Check me out on s.foster8 on Instagram uh, and Twitter at 28 Minutes or Less Pod. That is just on Instagram. Um, I appreciate everybody for taking the time out to listen, man. I really, really do, man. The only thing I ask, just leave me a um, leave me a review, man. Give me a couple of stars, you know, five stars, I would hope. And uh, leave a review. Let me know what you think, man. I, I love to get feedback on these pods. So, with that being said, this was episode 112 of the podcast, and I'm out.